Welcome to Cohen & Company's Chief Insights Podcast, a thought leadership series designed for C-level executives, board members, and other top decision makers. Hello, I'm Michelle Chopper, a Director of Risk Assurance and Advisory at Cohen & Company. Welcome to this episode of Chief Insights. Today we're going to talk about service organization controls reporting. You may have heard of SOC reporting or even the old SSAE 16 or SAS 70 reports. Specifically today, in light of how fast companies are moving to cloud environments and the increasing cybersecurity risks that we see today in the big data environment, should you be asking your vendors for a SOC report? And if your organization is a service provider to others, should you have a SOC report to present to your customers? So I've asked Steve Guarini, a partner in Cohen & Company's Assurance Department, to spend some time with me and talk about SOC reports. He works with a number of clients on obtaining their SOC compliance, and he participates frequently with other practitioners around the country developing best practices for companies for their internal controls. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Michelle. It's uh, great to be here. I'm very excited to be here with you talking about SOC reports today. Um, Our audience is going to get a lot of great information uh, and very useful uh, ideas about how SOC reports can help their, uh, their organizations. Great. Thanks for joining me. So for those in the audience who haven't heard of SOC reports, can you tell us a little bit about what they're used for, who needs them, and generally, what does SOC compliance mean? Sure. Uh, Great, great questions. Uh, So SOC reports are a special kind of uh, what we call a test or assurance report, and they deal with an organization's controls. Uh, There are actually four types of SOC reports, but the two most common uh, that most organizations will wind up using or being asked for, known as SOC 1 and SOC 2. So organizations use SOC reports to gain credibility over their system of controls. And then third parties, uh, vendors, customers, um, other interested parties, it could be management, it could be boards, use those reports to gain confidence Um, over that organization's controls and how they function. It adds to their credibility. Okay. So it can help a business retain customers or even attract customers? Absolutely. Uh, One of the biggest things that we see when we're asked to look at doing a SOC report uh, for a potential client uh, is that they have been asked by a customer. So companies that do this proactively can really give themselves an advantage Uh, because they can let potential customers know that they already have that done, and that will distinguish them from their competition. Yeah, I've noticed over the past year that you and I have been receiving quite a bit more um, frequent inquiries about the SOC practice and SOC reporting. So I think it'd be nice to share with the audience, like, what are those types of of companies that have been coming to us with those requests? Um, And generally, if they're thinking about their own business, what are some of the vendors that they might have that they should be asking their vendors for their reporting. Sure. So some of the industries uh, that we've seen that have uh, and that we we do work with and that are looking at SOC reports because they're being asked or they're trying to be proactive, um, technology service providers, so companies that do data hosting, managed services where they're providing IT services for their customers, those are very, very common. Companies that do any type of third-party administration work, whether they're processing um, healthcare claims or insurance claims, 
those are another very, very common type of uh, company that would want and is often asked for a SOC report. Custodians or trust companies. Um, so that one might seem like a no-brainer. You're holding on to someone else's money and you're a custodian. Uh, you want to be able to tell the world that you have credibility with your controls. One of the really, really common ones are payroll providers. If you think about that, you're asking someone to process your payroll and give it back to you. Um, you want to know that that's accurate and that that's complete. Uh, we talked about data centers. Uh, software as service or platform as service providers are also a very, very common uh, type of company that would use a SOC report. Great. What are some of the newest industries that we've seen in the past year? Great, great question. Uh, but cryptocurrency has been uh, a big one. Blockchain, one of our clients uh, does blockchain mining. That's very, very uh, unique type of uh, activity. They specifically wanted the report to be able to give themselves an edge um, in the industry. They wanted to be out on the leading edge. And they were able to do that by having their SOC report done. Okay, Steve, before we get too far down into the conversation, I think we need to pause for just a moment and, and share a little technical information. You've mentioned SOC 1 and SOC 2, uh, and also a Type 1 and a Type 2 report. It's a little bit confusing. So can we just um, pause a moment and explain a little bit about what each of those definitions are and, and, and who uses them? Sure, uh, I'd be uh, happy to do that. Well, there are SOC 1, Type 1s, and Type 2s, and SOC 2, Type 1, and Type 2s. The Type 1 being at the point in time, and then ultimately the Type 2 being over a period of time. SOC 1 reports are used for internal control over financial reporting. So the easiest way to think about that, think of the payroll company. Um, payroll is financial reporting. It affects financial statements. So the auditors of um, a user entity who's using that payroll company need to understand the control structure. Management of that user entity should also want to understand the controls at that payroll company to know that their payroll is being processed completely accurately, timely, and, and so forth. So the SOC 1 reports are used to report on controls over uh, financial reporting, internal control over financial reporting. SOC 2 reports are more operational in nature. So, for example, think of the managed services providers providing IT services. They have access to confidential information. They may be maintaining a customer system, and the customer says, I need to know that my system is going to be available when I need it. Uh, they may be processing particular types of non-financial information, and that customer says, I need to know that this is being processed properly. Or maybe the highest level, they're dealing with uh, what's known as PII, or personally identifiable information, uh, social security numbers, addresses, and so forth. So SOC 2 reports deal with um, controls over security of information, the processing integrity of information, the availability of information or the system, confidentiality of information, and then depending on facts, it, uh, they could also handle privacy. At a minimum, the SOC 2 reports include security uh, always. They will always include security, and then they may include one or more of those other four items or categories, actually, what we call them. 
And so we've seen companies that where it may be appropriate for them to have both a SOC 1 and a SOC 2, one or the other or both. It just depends on the circumstances of that company and, and what it is that their clients are ultimately looking to them um, as a user of their services. Correct. And a, a common example of that where you may see both a SOC 1 and a SOC 2 would be a company that provides data center or co-location services because an auditor could argue that that affects financial reporting and it also certainly deals with security, availability, um, and potentially confidentiality. Mm-hmm. So the whole process of becoming SOC compliant, a lot of it is about institutionalizing your system of controls really making your processes and procedures more clear, documenting them, um, and and really evaluating the risks at your company and how you're addressing those risks and putting in a good control environment to respond to those risks. So naturally, there's going to be a lot of, of work involved, right, For for especially for startup companies, but even for well-established companies who may not have been subjected to this type of, of rigor before. So what are some of the challenges that these these entities might encounter and how are they going about responding to those challenges through the the SOC compliance process? Sure. Uh, And that was a great, great summary of uh, what companies need to be able to do and have in place. In terms of uh, some of the challenges and the the rigor and the process of getting there, you might be surprised that uh, HR, human resource, plays a big role in SOC reporting, the, the related controls. When you talk about control environment, hiring, Uh, training and so forth. So companies need to be able to put a really multidisciplinary team um, and dedicate them toward providing the information necessary for the SAC report. HR plays a big role. Certainly executive management is crucial in having their commitment. So the CEO, the COO are very, very important. Depending on the type of report, a CFO uh, may play a big role. Also playing a big role are people in operating uh, capacity. So someone who might run a particular department or a particular aspect of that company um, who's being reported on. Uh, The input and the knowledge of the controls, the activities, what the company does, how they do it, uh, from that group is very, very common and necessary. So putting together that team and understanding uh, who's involved, commitment is really key. Um, These are not something that are just done by snapping your fingers. There is definitely a commitment that's necessary. So, again, having that top level, that uh, executive management commitment is is really necessary. The the process is really three-phased, what we call a readiness process, and we assist the clients with going through and determining um, are there holes in their controls? Where do they need to add? Where do they need to modify? Where do they need to create controls? Then we move on to the uh, the next phase of actually conducting a report, which is called a type one, and then finally a type two. And that could um, easily be an 18 to 24 month process, uh, just depending on the commitment, uh, the timeline, the complexity of the of the organization. Right. And when you talk about 18 to 24 months, that's really from soup to nuts, obtaining the readiness assessment and documenting all of their controls, going through and having that type one report and testing performed on the type one, 
and then having a period of time that's, that covers the operating effectiveness of those controls, which is usually um, anywhere from 6 to 18 months that they're watching those controls in operation and, and that the, the auditor is coming in to test in a- order a- to do the type 2. Absolutely. That's that's a great point. I don't want to scare anybody away by making it sound like uh, <laughs> that it's two years out. There's a, there's a lot of milestones along that path, and you summarized it very, very well. Um, the readiness phase of being able to put together the controls and the description, the narr- what we call the narrative, then conducting that type one, which is uh, basically testing that the controls that you've identified are in fact in place and are properly designed, and then being able to have the, as you said, the operating effectiveness, which is what your users ultimately want to know, are those controls effective? And that's done over a period of time um, typically, that period of time is a year. So, hence, when we say 24 months, it's uh, it, it it's actually becomes makes a lot more sense because at least a year of that is the period where you're testing for the type two. Right, right. One of the points that I wanted to highlight that you brought up, Steve, was the importance of engaging the entire organization in the SOC process. The companies who've been really successful and have implemented a, a compliant. Uh, control environment have really done a great job of getting everyone across the organization involved because these engagements affect them, particularly whenever there's going to be um, additional controls that get added that that affect the day-to-day of each of their employees. So I think it's important for folks to note that one of the challenges of this is rallying your organization around the process and really engaging them. And that's something they need to think about up front as to how they want to to be transparent about the process with the organization. Yeah, that's very well said, Michelle, uh, and I agree completely. When we started the podcast, we we talked about the value of doing a SOC report, and that's adding credibility uh, to your outside users. Doing a SOC report also adds discipline and structure and knowledge within the organization. So getting um, the entire organization at some level involved in the process um, is absolutely key because then those benefits essentially flow through throughout the organization once that's done. That's right, Steve. I think one of the other challenges that companies face whenever they're starting a a SOC engagement is allowing perfection to be the enemy of good. Um, In this process, they're going to be identifying um, all of the risks associated with their organization and how they respond to those risks. And there are any number of controls that they could implement in order to respond. And they really have to have a measured approach to being flexible about what types and how many controls they can really implement. That, that's right, Michelle. Uh, the uh, the comments about not trying to be so detailed are right on point. The best SOC reports out there are the ones that are concise to the point um, and don't go overboard with trying to put in too much information. So great advice. So, Steve, What if I'm an organization and my customers haven't started asking me for these types of reports? Um, As a business owner, how do I determine am I ready for one? Should I have one? Um, Do my my customers need one from me? Um, Or or am I engaging and doing business with with other vendors and I should be asking them for one? Like what should a business owner be going through his mind in this process of determining whether SOC fits into their world or not? So – a couple things to look at 
um, is understanding does your organization provide services that affect financial reporting for another entity. So if you're a third-party administrator, a payroll provider, a data center, you absolutely are in the category where your customers may ultimately need or want that. Whether you should do one or not or whether you're ready, you should ask yourself, could I potentially lose business um, if I don't have this done? You may find that your customers are coming to you and saying, before I do business with you, I need you to fill out this questionnaire. And you're getting a lot of that. Uh, We see that very, very frequently. That could be an indicator or is an indicator uh, to take a look at whether or not you could offer them a SOC report. We frequently see our clients ultimately who become SOC clients tell us that they've had all these requests. And their customers that are asking for these questionnaires would say, well, we'd accept a SOC report if you have it. So that's uh, certainly an indicator. Um, giving yourself a competitive advantage. Uh, we talked about the uh, blockchain mining company that wanted uh, to give themselves a competitive advantage and be one of the first or the first in that industry to have it. That's a very proactive reason uh, for going out and getting um, SOC reports. In terms of asking your vendors for SOC reports, those are known as service organizations to you. And you're going to ask for them for the same reasons that your customers would ask you for that report. Do you have concerns over the security of your information that uh, you've turned over? Are you dealing with a vendor where you need to know that their services are going to be available 99.5% of the time? Are you dealing with a vendor where you need to know that they're processing information for you and that information has to be accurate and confidential? So those are some things that you would look at from your own vendors in asking them for SOC reports. That's great. So, Steve, I think today we've covered some some really interesting points to help business owners better understand the options that they might have available to them, for them to be able to provide some assurance to their to their customers about the security of their information, about the sophistication of their control environment. I want to ask, do you have one key takeaway from, from this entire discussion, one thing that you hope listeners will, will leave here with today? Michelle, other than uh, the general knowledge of SOC, I hope they will walk away from listening to this with a better understanding of how these reports can help their business not only gain a competitive advantage, but to operate more efficiently, more effectively, um, and to have a more engaged, involved uh, workforce. I I completely agree with that, Steve. I think the one thing that I would add is that um, if your organization is considering SOC compliance, if if any of this sounded interesting to them, Remember that the goal ultimately is is security for your clients, right? Like that's that's ultimately what you want to achieve. You want to establish credibility and trustworthiness with your clients. And and really, you know, SOC compliance, it's more than just checking boxes. It's about creating a secure environment. Um, and so it's really important for them to take a risk-based approach and, and work with folks who are, who are going to help them um, make their organization more secure. So that will wrap up today's podcast. Thank you, Steve. Thanks to everyone who's joined us today. We hope you have a great day. Thanks, Michelle. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Chief Insights. Subscribe to this podcast series at cohencpa.com slash podcasts. To gain more insights that may impact you, visit us at cohencpa.com slash impact. 
Cohen & Company is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Information contained in this podcast is considered accurate as of the date of recording. Any action based on information in this podcast should only be taken after a detailed review of the specific facts, circumstances, and current law.